Welcome to C3 Church Cabra. You're about to hear a message from Andrew Flaxman. Get ready to be inspired, live your best life. Let's grab our Bibles or your iPads or whatever you need to. And I just wanted to share this morning really quickly uh, just one thing that I was reading throughout the week. If you have your Bibles, come with me to uh, the book of Peter, chapter 1. The first book of Peter, chapter 1, verse 1, from 3, actually. (laughs) It said, blessed be the God and... Is that up there? That's good. I... uh, I think I sent you my notes, guys, so you've got them, and this is a momentous day. I don't normally preach with notes, but um, here we are. <laughs> yeah, 35. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the re- resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, an inheritance incorruptible, incorruptible and undefiled. And that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice. Love that. That's one of my points. Greatly rejoice. Isn't that great? Through now, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. One of my other points. We'll come to that. Not amazing, but still good. Verse 7. That the genuineness of your faith, love that, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Can I touch on that as well? Praise, honor, and glory. Isn't that cool? This morning, uh, I can put this here. I just wanted to share eight, uh, eight, eight points or eight truths or eight keys or eight ways or pathways or whatever we need to this morning I just wanted to touch on something out of this verse and if you have a notepad who brings notepads anyone no who writes on their phone it's okay to write on if you're at church it's okay to write on your phone guys don't be you know texting or instagramming but um I actually when I read the bible I like to get out a bible and a pen and a notepad and Julia always goes mad at me because I've got like about eight notepads just scattered around the house and they're like all a quarter of the way through and then I forget where my notepad is so I get another one and I start writing on that one. But there's something so powerful about reopening your Bible and reading and then, and then circling in your Bible and then having a pen and a pad or a notepad and writing and, you know, some people, who, do, who does that? Anyone? I, I don't know. I like to sit and read and write and uh, not all the time, but Okay. Let's go. So if you've got your notepads, come with me. And uh, first point that this morning uh, I wanted to share about was point one, it says here, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy. Point one is abundant mercy. Who knows that uh, the Bible says here, the Lord, it says in 2 Peter, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Do we have that? Oh, we do. It says here, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, 
Who knows that it's good that the Lord suffers, is long-suffering toward us? Who knows that if I was the Lord and I looked on some people, myself included, I go, hang on, you so-and-so, you did that, you're out. Who's that? It's like, no, but the Lord is gracious. It says abundant mercy. The Lord is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Who knows that the Lord is not willing that any, any person, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, whatever you've you know, said to this person or said about that person or said to this person, I love that, that God's mercy is abundant and he doesn't judge, say, hey, you're not, you know, you can't come to me because you've done this or you, you can't enter into a relationship because you've done this. It says that the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but all should come. Do you know that, that God's, that the father heart of God is that it's not, I'm in this secret little club now that I get to come and hang out in, but it's, it's that God is, is looking for all people, all places everywhere to come and know how great God is. It says in Psalm 86 verse 5, if you, who's, who's doing that? Mikey, awesome. You're the man. He's good. Uh, for you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon, uh, call upon you. It says in Psalm uh, 145 verse 9, it says, the Lord is good to all. That God is good to all. Point one, abundant mercy. God is abundant in his mercy. You know, it's usually the ones that have all the power and all the things don't need to be merciful because they've got all the power. They've got all the... No, but God, our Father, our God, is full of abundant mercy. I love that. Point two, it says here, uh, has begotten us again to a living hope. Point number two is that God is a God of hope. Julie sent out a text this week, says, why would I fear the future for I, I am being pursued by, only by your goodness and unfailing love, Psalm 23, verse 6. Why would I fear the future? How many people that you meet in the streets are nervous of my kids getting a house, my kids going to the right school, my kids, the Bible says in Psalm 23, verse 6, why would I fear the future for I'm being pursued only by your goodness, only by God's goodness and unfailing love, that pursues me. What pursues me? You know, it's God's blessing that's chasing us down. It says here in Romans 15, verse 13, Now may, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. That's amazing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. I tell you, we sit on beaches, we travel all, you know, to the other side of the world to sit and have peace and still not find it. It says here that the God of Hope, fill you with all joy and peace, fill us with all peace in believing that you or we may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever met somebody that has no hope? When you talk to them, they're just hopeless. They don't have any hope. They're, everything's, you know, this and bad and why and how could we? You know, where we serve the God of hope, who's always filling us with more hope. And, you know, it says, don't worry about the future because I'm going to bless you and increase you and enlarge you. Point number two, God is the God of hope. Good. Number three, it says here, oh, I've changed my scripture. Now I can't read it from here. Point number three is um, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Point number three, if you're taking notes, is uh, the dead. Is that a good one? Point number four, uh, no. Point number three says some situation in our lives you know, some situ who's faced those situations in our lives that seem dead or gone or hopeless, where it's like, wow, this is 
gone. This is too hard. The Bible says here in Romans that uh, God, who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not, which w- w- things, things which do not exist as though they did. I love that even when a situation may seem like it's over or gone or, you know, this business deal that I've got seems like it's too far gone, where God, when you reach out to God, you know, when something's seemingly dead, God doesn't seem to worry about it too much. He says, oh, yeah, you know, you're going to get through that. It's going to be okay. It says here in Isaiah, until the Spirit is poured upon us from high and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field. I love that. I think that's who God is. I think God's always trying to make our wilderness a fruitful field. Where we see a wilderness, where it's like, oh man, this is, this is a wilderness. It's, you know, you know, full of this and that. And, and, but God says, hey, wait till I'm finished with it. It'll be a fruitful field. It says, and the fruitful field is counted as a forest. You know, we see a, a, a wilderness and go, oh no, this is the end. This is too hard. How am I going to do it? But God says, when I see a wilderness, I see a fruitful field. And that's who God is. That's our future, that it's not hard and tough and barren and dry, but God's always trying to, you know, create our situation in front into a fruitful field. Isn't that good? It says in Isaiah 48, verse 17, it says, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. I love that. You know, that the God is the God who teaches us to increase and to make profit. And it says, who leads you by the way you should go. God leads us. God guides us. Point number three, the dead. Point number four, if you're taking notes, inheritance. Who thinks that, uh, it says here, do we have the, it says, uh, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved for you in heaven. Do you know, uh, I... I, I found out a little while ago that uh, some family that we know, the uh, grandfather is on his way out, perhaps, and uh, there's three kids, and all of a sudden, they're coming together to fight over the, you know, so-and-so, I should get this, and I believe we should do this, and who knows that, uh, inher- you know, and it says that here, inheritance. Do you know one of the most powerful inheritance that we have in this house is a church family, that our kids and our grandparents and whoever's connected to this house is a part of a community that loves, accepts, values, uh, honors people that come into this house. That our kids, the blessing of an incredible community of people that surround them and grow with them. I remember as, as I grew up in kids' church, I was only little uh, when I was, you know, we went to church when I was, I don't remember not going to church. And there's actually a photo, it's crazy. But I'm, we had a church choir, kids choir, and we're in the choir. And I don't think they call it the choir, I don't know what they called it, but it was awesome. And, uh, and I, there's a photo, and I'm like six or seven, and Jilly's, I'm on one side, and Jilly's on the other side, singing on the other side of the choir. And uh, we're singing like this, and, and it was, you know, isn't it great? It's great that what our, our inheritance is that uh, our kids can come in and find a safe place to grow and to be with one another. And not have to hang out, you know, with you know, other people that are, you know, doing this or whatever. But they're together growing. And I, I just, some of the greatest memories of my life was when I was young at kids' church. And we're riding on doors together and we're doing, we're all together as kids learning about Moses and learning about this. And what an inheritance that our kids have that, you know, that we don't have to go somewhere else. You know, we have that here. 
what a blessing it is for us as inheritors that we can bring our kids in, our neighbors in, our aunties and uncles in, whoever it is in, and they can go to the youth ministry, they can go to the young adults ministry, we can part of our kids' church, the whole thing. And, I, and we see a lot of the times inheritances, hey, when my father dies, I'm going to get a million dollars, I'm going to spend it all, I'm going to buy a you know, big house, and a fr- whatever, and that is an inheritance. But do you know, sometimes you don't see the wood for the trees here right now, and one of the great things that we have, who knows that when we're down, you come in here, instead of people saying, hey, you're a so-and-so, and you're a this, and you're that, they just encourage us. Everywhere I come in, hey, you're amazing, you're awesome, hey, you're great. And for our kids as well, isn't that amazing that they can come in and, and in the kids' church, they're saying, hey, this is what God does. I think, I think that point number four for us, our church family uh, is an inheritance that we can be a part of and, and, and be together and grow together with. And uh, there's something so powerful about being accepted, uh, you know, not having to pretend you're somebody else but actually being who you are. And I'm still amazed that I have, you know, that people love me for who I am, not trying to be somebody else, but they, you know, and what is a church? It's a family of people that say, look, hey, you might not be, you know, the world's most famous race car driver or whatever, but we love you. Or you may not be, you know, you might not have a billion dollars in your bank account, but guess what? We love, or you may have a billion dollars in your bank account, but we love you, you know? I love that. It says here in Hebrews, It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. What do we do? We're encouraging one another. Hey, you're great. You can do it. It says here in 1 John 4 verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Incredible. Love that. And uh, love that, inheritance. Point number four is that our families are being celebrated in this place. Point number five, it says here, if you still have your Bibles open to 1 Peter, it says, uh, uh, incorruptible, undefiled, good. Point five, uh, we are kept by the power of God through, verse five, we are kept by the power of God through faith. Point number five, faith. Something, you know, because we, we serve a supernatural God. It, it isn't, you know, there is faith. It says here, Proverbs 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Whoever leans on their own understanding at times, you know, is like, oh, I, I sort of believe in God, but my own understanding doesn't really, you know, doesn't, yeah, it says, Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And it says, and he shall direct your paths. That's amazing. I love that. What a great thing that the Lord, who created the heaven and earth, when I, when I trust in him with all my heart, he will direct my life. That takes the pressure off me. I don't have to go, oh, I have to, you know, I have to buy at the right time. I have to sell at the right time. Who's just stumbled their way through life and somehow found themselves just going, well, I don't know, that happened, but that was amazing. I don't know, that happened, but that was awesome. You know, he shall direct your paths. Who better to direct my path than the Lord? It says here, point five is faith. It says here in Mark chapter 10, verse 52, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Wow. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Isn't that amazing? It says, your faith has healed you. 
not the Lord's faith, not, is that amazing that, you know, who knows that we as believers need more faith? He says, your faith has healed you. I think that's incredible. Jesus said, your faith. You know, I need to read my Bible. I need to pray. I need to connect with other people who love the Lord and encourage me to grow and stretch and believe. Why is church so powerful? Because we grow and stretch and believe together. Your faith has healed you. Incredible. Jesus replied, he said, I tell you the truth in, in Matthew 21, 21. If you have faith and do not doubt, not only uh, not only can you do what has done to the fig tree, he's talking about a fig tree that's withered, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. Amazing. Hebrews 11, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. It's amazing. I love that. Faith, this is mine. Faith is not knowing the way, but trusting the one who called you does. I actually wrote that. Are we good? It says here in uh, Hebrews 11, verse 30. Maybe I didn't. I think I did, though. It says, um, if you're on Instagram, just, you know. No. It says, by faith, it says here in Hebrews 11, it says, by faith, they overcame. It says, Hebrews 11, verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Verse 31, Hebrews 11, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. I tell you, I love stuff, you know, here's somebody who hasn't spent her whole life doing maybe the, the right thing or living an amazing way, but God, again, in his abundant mercy and grace, says, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish, where maybe if I was the Lord, I'd be looking at that person and go, well, I think, you know, you've made your decision young lady, and perish. But who knows that God doesn't look at what we've done in the past, but God is an abundant, merciful God. I love that. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she received the spies with peace. By faith, they overcome. Verse 6, uh, chapter 6, point 6, key 6. I don't know, number 6, come with me. It says, uh, let's read it. It says here, um, what's point six? That you great, oh yeah, verse six, in this you greatly rejoice. Point six is out of verse six, and it's greatly rejoice. You know, how many Christians do we know? Am I doing a good job here this morning? Killing it, thank you. No, how many Christians do we know that every time we talk to them, they're under attack, they're being attacked, I've just been attacked, I'm, I'm going through an attack. It's like, oh, that's amazing, that's great. But here it says, you know, it says, we have, do we have too many sad Christians walking around, too many defeated Christians walking around, just always talking about what's about to happen? And, you know, when was the last time we greatly rejoiced? When was the, think back, have, did I great greatly rejoice this week or maybe it was last week maybe it was the week after actually I haven't I haven't greatly rejoiced in a while you know it says here that rejoice in the Lord always Philippians 4 verse 4 rejoice in the Lord always again I will say rejoice 1 Thessalonians 5 16 the Bible says rejoice always that you know 
we're not always the ones that are sad. Oh, I'm so solemn. I'm so, I'm so holy that I'm solemn. And I, I cannot laugh with you because I'm solemn. And uh, this is too hard. And, you know, I don't talk about normal things because I'm under attack. And, you know, I can't, I can't laugh with you because, oh, I'm going through it. And uh, who, who knows what I'm talking about? That, you know, if, if, the Monday to fr- if the Sunday doesn't affect the Monday to Friday, why do we do a Sunday? Like if, if, if we come into church and we're all great and it's all rejoicing, we're all hiving five, we're singing, we're clapping, we're dancing. But then on Monday, it's like, oh, man, I'm feeling it. Man, I don't know how I'm going to do it. You know, oh, Tuesday, oh, it's going to be a tough one. Let us know it's going to be tough. And, but the Bible says here, greatly rejoice. When, you, when we read about Jesus throughout the Bible, you know, he did incredible things and came up against incredible situations, but at the same time, had this deep-seated joy or a deep-seated rejoicing inside that no matter what happened, continued to keep a great attitude, be happy, smile. You know, because sometimes uh, the only... Uh, thing that other people see is us on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and a Friday. And if we're always mad and cranky and tired and angry, uh, they're going to go, yeah, I don't know about that Christianity thing. That sounds great, but uh, yeah, I don't, you know, it, it says it greatly rejoice. And I, I believe that um, one of the ploys of the devil is to take our joy. It's to take our, it's to take our smile. It's to take our, you know, uh, when, you're, when you meet somebody, you know, hey, how you going? Good to meet you, you know, but we're so busy, we're so rushed, we're so under attack, and I gotta get to here, and I gotta go, you know, I gotta sort that out. Who's always sorting stuff out? You gotta sort that out. But at the same time, the Bible says he greatly rejoice. And what is a Christian? To me, it's someone who inside, regardless of what they're going through, can greatly rejoice. Number seven. Uh, <laughs> Point seven, grieved by various trials. Uh, so we had great, point number six was greatly rejoiced. Point number seven, it says here that uh, they've been, if need be, grieved by various trials. Who knows that um, Pastor Phil last Sunday preached such a phenomenal message about David and Goliath. Who remembers that one? Amazing. And I, it still gets me every time when King David, it's in 1 Samuel 17, says to Saul, hey, Saul, I'm going to go out and fight Goliath. And Saul goes, okay, great. And he goes, I have, just so you know, uh, previously I've killed a lion and a bear. Uh, I, I would rather fight any man over a lion or a bear. I, if, I, if there was three options and I see a man, a bear, or a lion, I, I, I can't imagine. I just can't imagine going... I might, I might take the bear. That's cool. I might take, I might take that guy on. Uh, I just don't. But here's the deal. King David was in training. Why? To take on a Goliath, take on a giant. And who knows that he could have seen the bear and gone, whoa, 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 whoa. This is no, no way. No, no. Uh, this, is, this, this is a various trial. I'm being grieved here by a various trial. And I will not, there's no way. And who knows that he could have gone home, packed up his whatever, and his, what do they call those things with the, the crook? Is it a crook? Could have packed up his staff. His crook? What's a crook? Is that right? Yeah, I've nailed that. His crook and his sheep head, because he's been, you know, just forget about it, and gone and complained to all these 
go and say, hey, you know, today, Monday, tough day, a bear came, lion came, took half my sheep, um, I, it's too hard, it's too much, who knows, but, you know, that the Lord was preparing David, why? And the thing is with us, we go through various trials, and it's not so we're weakened, or so we're, we take a step back, or so it's like, oh, I can complain more, or I can, you know, I can tell that person that I'm really going through it. Uh, do you know why we go through various trials and grieve by various trials? Why? Because the Lord is taking us and trying to move us forward to why? For a greater day for us that when the Goliath comes, we're not unprepared, but we're actually ready. And we can say, hey, you know what? This Goliath seems so small compared to what a bear and a lion looks like this this thing seems so small i can easily do this i can easily overcome this giant love that uh greed by various trials and i would say that various trials is perhaps a compliment for us that god is growing us and strengthening us why to move forward to take more ground to to be a bigger blessing to, to for a greater day is that okay point number eight it says that the genuineness of your faith. I wrote down here, what's so powerful about genuine faith? It says here in, um, it says here in Matthew 17, as I'm preparing to close. It says, Matthew 17, verse 20, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Do you know what's so powerful about genuine faith? The Bible says that when your faith is genuine, nothing will be impossible for you. Why, why is there so much attack? Why is there so much, you know, uh, you know oh, I'm, now I'm offended at this person. Well, I'm not going to go to that church. Well, I'm offended. You know, why is there so much attack and, and warfare over us continuing to enlarge or create a genuine faith? The Bible says because when we have a genuine faith, when we have faith, the Bible says even as small as a mustard seed, that nothing shall be impossible for us. Do you know that? Why, why am I always trying to move forward, but I'm always like there's this resistance for me to come back because the whole world, it seems, is fighting against me continuing to make my faith stronger. The Bible says a genuine faith. Why? Because the Bible says that nothing shall be impossible for me. That when I get to that place where my faith is now not built on who's next to me or who's not next to me or whether they do a good first song or whether they don't do a good, whether it's raining, whether it's not raining. When my faith gets to that point, the Bible says that, guess what, nothing. And guess what, who knows that the devil and basically the whole world doesn't want our faith to have nothing shall be impossible for you. You know, that imagine, you know, uh, even looking back at this land 20 years ago thinking, hey, one day we're sitting here on a Sunday on a church with an incredible community around us, but at the time it was just an empty field with, you know, horses and a dam. And, but, you know, Pastor Phil, nothing shall be impossible for you. I love that. It says here in 1 Peter, and I got one more point to go after this. I think that's it. It says that the genuineness of your faith, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It says here, uh, it says, you know, what we have found ourselves doing is that the Bible says that we are made for praise, honor, 
and glory, but sometimes, somehow, under whatever it is, we turn our praise to criticize, we turn our praise to condemn, we turn our praise to dishonor and blame. You know, the Bible says in 1 Peter, it says that, uh, it says here, though your faith be tested by fire, it may be found to praise. You know that we're designed, we're designed inside to be praising. Wherever we go, just pray, Lord, you're good. God, you're great. You know, uh, this is amazing. This is great. But somehow, sometimes, you know, uh, we turn our praise to criticize. Who's ever found themselves in that place? I have. We, we turn our praise to condemn or dishonor or blame. It says here that we're found for, be, our trials will test us and as we come out, we're, we'll be found honor. How many times have we degraded or disrespected or dishonored other people when, when our bodies, when we're designed inside for honor? And the Bible says here uh, that may be found, as says, praise, honor, and glory. Uh, glory, who knows that we're designed to reflect God's glory. The Bible says that we're made in God's image, yet sometimes our glory gets turned into ugliness because we spew out all this stuff and we pull this person down and we talk about that person, we say this about that person and who's ever done it? They go, I don't even know why I'm doing this. This is not, I shouldn't be, this is not me, uh, you know. Uh, but the Bible says that we have been out of all this faith, all this genuine testing, all, all this stuff that may be found in us is praise, full of praise, giving back to God, honor, that we honor other people, we honor, you know, leadership, we honor our our peers, we honor, you know, everyone who, who we meet. And the Bible says, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Love that. Instead of, you know, being the ugly stick and sort of beating on everyone everywhere we go. Well, if you weren't in church on Sunday, you naughty little. No, but the Bible says that we're full of, you know, glory, not ugliness. In, who's ever met someone that's, that looks really, well, he looks great or she looks great. And then you meet them and you go, oh. And inside, it's like all this, you know, well, the government, and the, they took my wheelie bin, and now it's down there. And, and you're like, ah, okay, I'm just going to go stand over there for a little bit. And uh, who's ever, you know, those people, they look great. Hey, man, you look great. You look really good. And then you meet them, and they're not really good. They're, you know, inside there. And, you know, sometimes, you know, who's ever met an old lady that's been in, with the Lord for 80 years and inside they're lovely and they're, they're just right, they're glowing and you just go, wow, I want you to talk to me more because you're, you know, and then you come around and you know, and it's, and it, all of a sudden, they took my bus pass and it's like, what? Your bus pass? Whatever it is, and it's just everywhere they go. And it's like, oh, it's too hot. Yeah, it's too hot. It's too cold. It's too cold. Yeah, it's too cold. Oh, it's too bright. Yeah, it's too bright. Yeah, it's not bright enough. I know, it's not bright enough. And, you know, but, you know, oh, and, and how, it says here, last thing, we want to invite the band up to come if we can. It says, 1 Peter, go home and read 1 Peter, chapter 1, it says, verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold, which is, I mean, you can highlight that in your Bible, just highlight that. If the genuineness of my faith is worth much more than gold, we consider gold a precious commodity, that's amazing, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, David was tested with a giant, with a bear and a lion, why, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of who Jesus, of Jesus Christ, of who Jesus is.
that we, and, and what happens is sometimes our praise turns to criticize, our honor turns to disrespect or dishonor, and our glory, which we're designed to reflect God's glory, can sometimes get turned to ugliness. That's not who we are. And so you see the last thing, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ, that you would, the revelation of Jesus Christ, that's right, yeah. Let's, let's, let's just stand and pray as we close. Lord, we thank you that, uh, Lord, you are here and you are good. And Lord, that even though we're going through trials or even though we're being tested, Lord, that uh, you are good. And your word suggests and, and, and points us towards the fact that, Lord, as we're tested, Lord, that you are blessing us. We still have, we're still greatly rich. Lord, you're moving us. You're teaching us. You're growing us. And to keep a great attitude while being under fire, under being tested, Lord, to keep a great attitude. Lord, that you're filling us with praise, with honor, and with glory, Lord, inside. Why? That we can be the light. We can shine and bless our community, Lord, everywhere we go, on our Monday, our Tuesday, our Wednesday, our Thursday, our Friday, Lord, that we can be the ones that shine in our communities, not the ones that shine out what's wrong, but Lord, we can be the ones that shine how great you are. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.